Hey, it's your host, Abigail Pumphrey, and I'm on a personal mission to help more small business owners become financially free. I like to nerd out on all things business, marketing, and most definitely the numbers. I'm talking all the lessons learned as I turned a layoff into a seven-figure online business. I like to share it all and no conversation is off the table. We talk actionable strategies, biz challenges, and all the things life throws your way. Grief, anxiety, loss, and resilience are all topics you'll find here. So grab a cup of coffee and settle in because you're listening to the Strategy Hour podcast brought to you by Boss Project. Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got Crash Plan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. Crash Plan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. Today on the podcast, we have Jane Liu, who founded Showpo in 2010 in her parents' garage. She previously worked in accounting and corporate finance, started a business with a friend that failed The next month, she started this business, which has since grown to like crazy heights. She's been in Forbes 30 under 30 in Asia. She's been in Cosmopolitan's Entrepreneur of the Year. She's won so many incredible awards. And their goal is to reach $100 in revenue by 2020, which I mean, I I I don't doubt doubt. I think she'll do it. I think she will. You guys, this is one of my favorite episodes we've done in a long time because I love how Jane's brain works. Our brains work very similar. She's a fast decision maker, a very, very good visionary, and she has taken her company to amazing heights. And so she breaks down their milestone over the last eight and a half years, learning curves, lessons, mistakes, strategies that she implemented at every kind of step of the process that's taken her business further. So I really think this is a cool way of doing an interview that we haven't done in a while. And so I think that you're going to get some really good insight about like all those different turning points that a business goes through in order to reach the success that you see eight and a half, nine years later. So listen to this one, take some notes. I really think you're going to like it. Hey, Jane, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. We are super excited to get talking today and get sharing your story because I think it's we're going to kind of set up this interview in a way that we haven't really done before because on your website you guys have this really cool page that really explains about what your business is and the milestones that you guys have gone through and how you've grown over the years. And I think as someone who's done some pretty incredible things like you have, our listeners will be really really interested in hearing like different pieces of those milestones and kind of what opportunities opened up for you, what strategies you put in place to achieve the things that you have in your business. But I think before we get started on that timeline, can you just give us the like really fancy description of how incredible your company is? Because it is awesome. So I want people to know like where you're sitting at right now. 
Okay, so to give context of what Shofo is, so we're an online fashion store for women 16 to 36, but we started off as a little garage business with just two racks of clothes, and now we have 150 staff. We sell to over 100 countries. We were online retailer of the year in Australia and New South Wales exporter of the year to exporter of the year. That's it. But which is really exciting because, you know, I think export and selling overseas is huge growth potential for us, which is why I'm actually in New York right now, not in Sydney, which is where our headquarters are. That's incredible. Yeah. Your company has won some amazing awards. You yourself have gotten recognized for the work that you're doing. And I, to give you guys a little bit more context, like Showpost started in 2010. So like not that long ago, like it feels at 2010 kind of feels like forever ago. Sometimes when I'm thinking about it, yeah. but <laughs> as we go along this timeline, I think you guys will be amazingly surprised just as I was of the incredible milestones that you mm-hmm. guys have reached. So yeah. Abby, do you want to start us off at the beginning? Yeah. So I'm looking at your timeline and it looks like you started with, you had a job in finance and you quit Mm -hmm. in September of 2010. So what kind of spurred you from wanting to quit your job and having enough confidence that you could grow this business on your own? So (laughs) good question. Well, I mean, it's kind of like twofold because one is just that my sheer hate for accounting and finance. So I, (laughs) so I grew up very like, I guess very academic, like I'm always, you know, like really focused on school and all I wanted was like a job, like a good job because, you know, my parents are, I'm Chinese and my parents and I immigrated from China when I was eight. And for them, all they wanted was, you know, it's that whole immigrant sub story where they sacrificed right. everything, worked as cleaners, <laughs> worked in factories, so then I could have a job, a future with financial and job security. And so at the age of 18, I actually got into the, the, I started working. I got into this exclusive cadetship program, which meant that I had job security from the age of 18 and then started climbing the corporate ladder, which I was excited about at the time. But three years into that, I realized like not only did I hate accounting and finance, but I was also terrible at it. So it's kind of a cop out, but I kind of wanted to leave to because I was like, oh, I want to quit before they fire me. Like, because I'm just like doing such a terrible job. And then it was in the middle of the global financial crisis. So it was just really grim. They were firing people. Anyway, so that's one side of it. And then, but I also just like, kind of got really excited about the idea of starting a business and just, you know, I guess some somewhat romanticized it. So that when a friend of mine came to me with the idea that she wanted to start a business, I didn't even care too much about the business model and just like, I was like, yeah, let's do it. I just jumped into it. And so I actually, it was, I remember the day that I actually decided to quit. I, you know, I've been like, I'm, I'm really thinking thinking about it. But then one day I was sitting behind my computer at work and I was just been staring at this spreadsheet all day. It was just, just so boring. And I looked at my phone and realized that three hours had passed. And, and I was like, oh, my God, holy shit, I'm literally three hours more dead. Not to get more dead, <laughs> but I'm three hours more closer towards death. And all I've done is remove this circular reference reference from the spreadsheet like how is this my life and now I'm going to go and yeah. drown my sorrows in a meatball sub for lunch and that's literally every day <laughs> for the last month so I'm like I can't I this can't be my future so that's so that's when I quit I love it I love every bit of that story down to the meatball sub yeah, um, <laughs> that is my favorite so tell me what the fuck happened between September of 2010 to November of 2010 to get you 
in your parents' garage to your actual first store. If you guys can't tell, that's like two months. Yeah. We got very lucky in that that store looked like it was ugly. Like it was really, (laughs) it was really shitty. I think the store cost less than $6,000 to like fit out and put stock in. Like it really didn't cost that much because it was already like a retail store. It wasn't, you know, when you go into like a, like a proper department, like a, a, like a mall and then you have to fit it out. It has to be pretty. We were next to like a strip club and like a print shop. Like it was like, and then a drive-in bottle shop. And like that's all I mean. So it, it was, <laughs> I love that. Keep going. <laughs> the quality was low. I guess that's the real answer. I'm, I the, the bar of making it great was not that high. <laughs> yes, but you still of, did it. Yes. You still did it. So how did you make money in that store or did you like, how did you even start growing with, that kind of working against you. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, the store was very break even. It didn't, we did get rid of it a year later, but we then fast forward to like around like a year, like a few, eight months later. I don't know. We opened the store inside a Westfield. I don't know if you guys have that. So that's like the big shopping center chains in Australia. And we just had three racks of clothing in the center court in a kiosk, it, and which again, it cost nothing to fit out. It was three racks of clothes. So really low startup costs, but it was like a cash cow because we were like, we just had the product spoke for itself and everyone, we were like one of the cheapest pro- like brands in that space. And so what was great was that a lot of the stronger brands, because we weren't really a big brand, we were not a big brand there. The other brands brought in the traffic, but then we had good product and a good price point. So we were just like, it was a cash cow. Yeah. And so when I quit my job to start the business, I, it was actually for another business. My, we were running pop-up stores in, un, in like underutilized locations. So like mainly bars and stuff, but that business actually failed. Like it massively tanked. And so all of a sudden, like I actually went from having, you know, a great job, financial security, everything my parents worked like were working hard towards and myself I was working hard towards. I actually gave that all up and all of a sudden I found myself without a job with a failed business under my name and I lost all of the money I had made, all my life savings to that point on the business that failed. And it because it was in the middle of the global financial crisis, no one was hiring. So I was literally so like, like cool. Yes, like now what? Yeah. Now what? Yeah. So what what was that time frame like then? A failed business to this? A month? I actually because I had to I just I think out of desperation I'm like oh I have to do something I can't get another job because no one's hiring. So then I decided to I actually approached I you know at the time it's I had no I didn't have any friends that worked with their own businesses they weren't like they weren't even like podcasts like this you can listen to there wasn't anything like you even books you had either the autobiography of, of like you know a Richard Branson or like the really the huge fan like you know millionaires billionaires or you had books I literally have a book that was you know the dummy's guide to retail you know there was just nothing and so I had one friend that had a, had his own business that was quite successful and I approached him hoping that he would like give me a job and like and then I could learn from him on how to start a business. But he introduced me to another girl who also wanted to get into fashion retail. And so we just met, got drunk together, hit it off and it just we kind of came up with it all the, the, starts yeah. with a bottle of wine. And exactly. that's just always what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So 
I think a lot of people, even if they're like, okay, I can get behind doing it in a garage, I can get behind doing it in a shitty strip mall next to a bar or whatever, liquor store, that kind of thing. <laughs> but the I think when it starts to get a little more crazy, I think people at the first sign of success, people sometimes panic. And I am just so impressed that you just kept growing and you weren't afraid of growth. Like you just kept pursuing it in a big way. But before you even, we even jump into like how social media helped you expand, I do, I am curious because a lot of people I can see, okay, I want to open a boutique, but the idea of sourcing product that would be beautiful, number one, but also affordable. How did you go about finding your clothing? Were you designing and working with a manufacturer or like going to shows or how did that happen? So, I mean, I know nothing. I knew nothing about fashion back then and the fashion industry. But so what I actually learned from my first business, because we ran these pop-up stores, was that I learned about this term called consignment, which meant that you didn't have to pay for it the product until after it, after it's sold. And so with the new business, because I had no, I had no money when I started. So I knew that I had to, so I knew the only way to make it work was to buy stock on consignment. And so I asked my business partner, my new business partner, if she knew how this could happen. And because she already had, she was the one that had experience in the fashion industry. She had some contacts. So she found us a supplier that sold us on consignment which meant that it was a lot of manual work. So every morning we, I would go in and pick up stock, individual stock to fulfill those orders and get billed for those specific orders. So it was a huge time drain. But at the time, you know, like time I had, I did, I had a lot of, but not money. So I was like, I'll do that. But as soon as we like started making a bit of money, I, I, you know, I started buying stock outright because that's how, you know, you can scale and grow the business. Yeah. That's incredible. I think the thing that I really want our listeners to take away from, especially in these beginning stages of growing this thing, you're a fast decision maker. Like it take, took you a month from going from failed business to a new idea and then constantly pivoting and tweaking what you're doing. And I think that honestly is one of the like number one signs of seeing if a business is going to be successful or not, because you can sit here and like piddle all day long about like a failed business or a shitty store or whatever it might be, but constantly seeing what those new opportunities could be and what they could open up for you is what led to your growth. So Everyone listening, please be faster with your decision making. Absolutely. Because I think being a good business person, like I think in terms of skills, like your main skill is problem solving. So it's about like confronting, not like planning. Like I think planning is like easy, easy, but like being able to problem solve, I think that's what's hard. And then, you know, in terms of the emotional side, it's like overcoming like adversity, overcoming challenges. I think those are the two things that really, you know, make or break a business. A hundred percent. So let's move into 2012 and 2013. I think some really big stuff happened. So Mm -hmm. you got your first real office. So you're out of your parents' garage. You're out of working from wherever you were working. And then social media is starting to become a huge play. And then you shut down all of your stores. So a lot of stuff is happening in those like two years. Can you kind of talk us through like what led to some of those changes? Yeah. So actually when, when I brought out my business partner, 
the business started and you know my business partner taught me everything like, like so many things like we we're still really great friends but I think what it got to a point where I think because the business was you know okay so I think most businesses they start to when a business launches, you, you you reach out to your entire network. You have all these great marketing ideas, but it gets to a point where you've used it all up and you stand all of your friends and the business plateaus and you're like, crap, what do I do next? And so for us, it, we kind of like, it, thought it was plateauing. And I think the fact that, you know, and actually for us, our, our business started declining. We we were we were growing quite well, and it started declining to five to the point where we were doing two orders a day, which is five thousand dollars for a month. So when my business partner decided that she wanted to get out, the business I I was literally doing everything by myself, and that was it was exciting at first to own my own business for the first time, but also I realized how scary it was because when things failed, not only this business but the first business all of the failures would be attributed to me so I was just like I had that to motivate me to like work my butt off and I was doing a million things at once and I generally wouldn't advise a small business or a startup to do so many things at once because that what you can't really measure what works but I was like running out of time and running out of money and so we did a bunch of things and our sales doubled from five thousand a month to nine and then to 40,000 the next month and then 75 the month after that and then 140. So went from 5,000 to $140,000 in six months or five months. It was incredible. And, but I think the main thing that, you know, we, you know, I could say it's like we started doing Google ads, we started, which we played around with our shipping charge, but I think, you know, that's very specific to my business, my industry, but Something that w- would be more applicable for everyone, I think, is the fact that not only was I making faster business decisions because I wasn't checking it with someone, but more importantly was the fact that, you know, I was taking more risks and, and being able to act on the results of those decisions. So because I wasn't so nervous that if I say I was to spend money running Google ads, this is when we first started and it failed. I only had to answer to myself and justify it to myself. So I was like, instead of arming and ring, I was like, fuck it, I'll just do it. And then once it worked, I was like, okay, start throwing more money at it. And so just all those things were just happening so much quicker. And I was trying more new things and taking bigger risks. And I think that's what's really, that what's, that's what helped the business grow so fast and in those stages. What do you think, what were some of the biggest risks that you decided to take and would you have done anything differently at the time it probably two of the things were hiring someone so no actually getting that office that that you were um, speaking about because just because it was like the first long-term like locked in thing like it was a two-year lease and I was like wow I'm this is me really having to back myself because just everything else was still like you know, you can still just pull away, close it down. It, it was a huge commitment. And I actually just never thought I would get to the, a point where I would have my own office that early on. And, you know, I couldn't, I needed an office because I had inventory. I couldn't go to a co-working space, even though I didn't, think, I didn't even know about co-working spaces back then. So that was a huge risk. And and actually I did kind of screw that up because we ran, we outgrew that office. We ran out of space. We couldn't find a sub, we couldn't sublease it. So I did waste a whole year of rent, but now, now with wow. hindsight, you know, because you outgrew yeah, it, it's like, like not it's the worst like, problem to have, <laughs> right? But um, and then the other big risk was hiring someone to really trust the business with. So I had Alex, who she's our general manager now, and she's been with the company ever since. And so I think that 
it's really scary to hire someone because you're like, well, if I hire the wrong person, they can really lead the business astray to trust someone. And so that was a huge risk. And I, I was very lucky that she's great. The risk paid off. And, you know, speaking of like all things strategy, she is probably a much more strategic thinker than I am. I'm someone like everything I'm saying now, I'll be honest. It's not something I've like sat down and strategized. I now like it's stuff that I've done more on based on gut feel. And I look back and I can piece together how it strategically makes sense. So with hindsight, I can tell you the strategy behind it, but I'm not very good at like forward looking strategy. strategizing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, you're hundred percent the visionary and it sounds like Alex helps you be the integrator into your yeah. business. Those are terms that we use a lot for our listeners. So for those of you guys who are paying attention, like you can, I think clearly see how those roles are broken up within your mm. company. Well, like very yin yang, <laughs> the two of us. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, tell me a little bit about your social media growth, because for those of you who haven't looked them up yet, now, granted, I realize this is going on seven years ago, but still, your Instagram has over a million followers, and for pretty much everyone listening, I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna say, for everyone listening, you're the only one in the room that has a million followers on Instagram. <laughs> So I'm just going to go with like that. That's kind of an anomaly. So I'm sure people are going to be curious. How, how were you able to grow and scale that? And even with time on your side, say you got on the Instagram game really early on, like what was it that you felt like you were able to utilize social media to actually increase sales? Yeah. Thank, I mean, thank you. I mean, I think to talk about our Instagram strategy, I have to step back and talk about Facebook because I think that's where, that's what really kind of gave us that first lift. And I think it's kind of like an exciting story. So when I used to work in accounting, I hated, when I hated my job, I would spend all my time on Facebook. So I knew the ins and outs of how to use it so well, which is probably why I was like so bad at my job because I was on Facebook the whole time. Anyway, when I wanted to start the business, because I had no money, I had to use social media to market the business. So it was only out of desperation and just that it was my only tool that I could access because I couldn't afford any of the traditional marketing methods. And this is in 2010. So the big, I don't know about in the States, but in Australia, the big retail powerhouses, they didn't believe in social media. Like they probably thought that it was a fad and it's just for the younger market or they just simply didn't know how to do it. But so we were not only, we were kind of like one of the first to really do it, like to go for it. But even I didn't realize how important and powerful it was until we, so one night I was like watching America's Next Top Model. And then I, they they had this new, you're like, where is this going? Trust me, it's going somewhere. They had this segment where they, they had a new category of audience favorites where they wanted people to vote for, they wanted people at home to vote for their favorite contestant on Facebook. And I was like, this is genius. Like we should do this. And this is when Facebook fan gate was still on. So it means that you have to like a page in order to engage with it. You have to follow the page. So we threw it out there. We asked our followers on Facebook if they wanted to enter to be our model. And what they ended up doing, these girls who are all in our demographic, they created Facebook events, Facebook groups and they asked their entire network to vote for them on Showpro to be show the next face of Showpro. And then these these girls that they asked, some of them will enter themselves and then they would reach out to their entire list of friends. So we went from having three thousand followers to twenty thousand followers in a month 
at no cost. Cost absolutely nothing. And 20,000 followers now is a lot, but like back in 2011, huge. That was a ton. Yeah. And for yeah. us, like an online store, and this is when people didn't really trust online stores, but it gave, because it was so new, we gave us so much credibility. So that, and not only was that good just in giving us that those followers the reputation, but it taught me that really important lesson of how powerful social media is and how and how growth hacks works and how like we're in an age where it's full of growth hacks and you just need to find them. So, and then I think that really shaped how I started doing the marketing and the business and business strategy for Shopo. And then, you know, we started just really investing way more into social media. But what's interesting is, you know, how like, I think in 2015, Facebook changes algorithm and then Facebook organic traffic just no longer is existed. So I actually, you know, I was speaking about this to one of the biggest newspaper publications in Australia and I casually said, oh yeah, Facebook is dead. And it became kind of the headline. <laughs> That Jay, like Joko <laughs> Chief says Facebook is dead. And it's like Jay Lou says Facebook is dead. And it was quoted everywhere. And then the next year, like we, we figured out how to make Facebook work. So my point here is, you know, you know, even, even something like Facebook, you still have, we've had 1.2 million followers on it, which all of a sudden we couldn't advertise to it. But, you know, you're, the pe- people are still there. Like we still all use Facebook, even though we probably all use Instagram more. But people are still there, so you, it, there's still a way to make it work. So how we did this was we realized that even though you don't have full organ, organic traffic, there is still so much. If you, if you supplement your organic content with a paid strategy, that is a way to jumpstart your organic content and then it gives it the ability to go viral. And we actually started a YouTube channel at the same time around the same time because we realized that we didn't want to put all of our eggs in the Facebook basket once it bought Instagram. So we're like, we need to diversify to YouTube. So we started doing video. And this is around the same time that Facebook started preferencing video content. And then we started actually making our own original content because we liked it. And then we that's kind of where, so all we kind of figured out again, like I guess it's not a hack because it's really obvious, but we found a strategy of how to make organic content work for Facebook. So, and that is, you know, great organic content that's original in video form supplemented by a paid strategy. So there's always ways to make it work. And so that's what I think also with Instagram, like they're constantly changing their strategy, but I think it's actually starting, especially for a small business when the strategy changes because it kind of brings everyone back onto even, even playing fields. And so it gives you the opportunity to be the first to come up with something, first to market with a new way of doing something. And so, you know, these days I would say if you were to start any business in, well, I guess, marketing to a millennial audience especially, you know, Instagram organic is Instagram organic and Facebook paid is still by far the best strategy to build your business. Did I answer the question? Yeah, I, went on I think that's tangent. super crucial. <laughs> I love tangents. (laughs) It was great. I'm curious though, like with Instagram and the way it's kind of morphed over time, I know for a while it was like having the most beautiful feed. And then it was like, yeah, people wanted behind the scenes with stories. And now I feel like there's this, people are like, I don't know what anyone wants anymore. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) that's what I'm experiencing. So what are, what has been kind of 
some of the growth hacks you've utilized on the Instagram side of things that have built momentum for you? Yeah. I mean, we've done like a bunch of competitions that really helped, especially more in the early stages. And then working with influencers, I think we did a lot, to be honest, like before, like back in 2015 and 16. And a lot of that strategy doesn't sound very exciting. I think we still, and I think just also, ultimately, the thing about Instagram is, and this works a lot better before than now because of the algorithm change again, but you literally have instant feedback from your followers on what they want. So you literally just look at the likes and you can tell. So when we look at our content, we break it up into, you know, what's the, the like we categorize the content by product. No, so the type of post. So there's your, your kind of like more memes, your lifestyle posts, your influencer posts, your model posts, and then you've got the different outfits. So, you know, that I think ultimately, I think the actual product itself is probably the strongest driver of engagement. So, you know, which makes sense because, and then there's also the angle and the background and the model that you use. So all those, like, so we, we do, we'll do a model analysis and see which model works best for Instagram. We'll know what background works and what angles, what crops, and then mainly what kind of products. And so that's kind of like the fundamentals of how to like get your posts to be good. And then in terms of growing followers, it's really, I, I think it's really these days so much about like working with influencers, doing collaborations, which, you know, it's, it's not cheap, but I think it's about being strategic about the people that you work with and also just having, being able to, I guess, see through if there's fake followers as well. And having people like really who are really on brand because, you know, if if your product really aligns, your product, your brand aligns with an influencer, that's where the real money is. It's not just how many followers yeah, they have. That's a gold mine. You, what you need to do is you, you get a product onto an influencer and then you need to convert them from seeing it on the model to double tapping to see the product, to see your handle and then convert that. And then they will have to click onto your page and then you want to convert that. Yeah, there's a lot of steps. Yeah, into a follow and then convert that into a sale. Like there are a lot of steps. And so even if you get a model, like an influencer that has a big following, if you can't convert, like that con- that conversion rate is based on the brand alignment. Like that is so important. Yeah, I love that. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. With over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get Get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. I can definitely see how that could be a massive, you know, sometimes it's going to work like clockwork and other times you're going to be like, that was kind of a waste of time and money and effort because, you know, the more I think, I think a lot of people who are less used to what you're talking about, they're like, I just want more followers or I just want more eyeballs on my stuff. But I'm like, I'm thinking about how far down my funnel or how far into this process are they ultimately going to get? And if they're not going all the way, then is it really worth it? Yeah. Especially I think for the smaller business is the less they should be focusing on brand because like honest, like Shopee has been around for eight and a half years. And I think only in in the last like year or two, have we really focused on brand? It was really just about conversions and chasing the money like you just need to because we've never taken on investment and I'm sure a lot of um, your listeners haven't like it's really just you need to you need to hustle you need to make money so your business you can put money back into the business yeah you can you need to utilize the strategies that are bringing you the dollar the fastest instead of like those bigger picture they're worth it strategies but they're definitely long-term long game plan strategies so let's move into 2014 and 2016, where some really big stuff happened. You, to date, you guys have donated over $100,000 to charity. You had your first annual charity sample sale in 2014. 2016, you shipped your 1 millionth yeah. order. 
and then in 2017 expanded internationally. So talk to us a couple about a couple of those years and some some big business lessons that you kind of learned during that time are those really big impactful yeah, changes. I, mean, I think the biggest business lesson actually during that period, which isn't I mean, it's you you'll understand why it's not on the timeline. <laughs> I actually there was a year where we actually had our office on the street where all of our suppliers were, where our wholesalers were, and we, which meant that we were constantly like seeing our competitors like shopping and engage, like you know, with the suppliers, and it kind of like made me focus unnecessarily too much on our competition. Like I started like following everyone on social media. Like you, I mean, you want to be on top of what people are doing, like what the industry's doing, but you, you still need to focus on what you need to do yourself. So I kind of like got distracted and just got tuned to my head about what other people were doing and like literally kept changing. Like I, you know, started throwing to my team like, oh, blah, blah, I was doing this. We should be doing this. We should be doing that. And it's, it wasn't, it wasn't just confusing for the team, but it's confusing for the customer because we kind of lost who we were. And then you got to, and so that was the only year we actually didn't grow. And we were not, we were, we were, we broke even for that year. That was the only year we weren't profitable. And so that was like, which is crazy. Which, yeah. Which sounds really scary. And like the numbers honestly do speak for themselves. So, and it was just very uninspiring for my team to have a leader that, you know, didn't really have direction. And then I realized like, you know, every, every time you're following else, someone else's strategy, you're not doing your own. And that comes with a, that comes at a huge opportunity cost. So that's probably the most important lesson I learned during that period. And in terms of like, I guess, growing the business, we kind of like realized that, you know, the growth of the business would be in, in the international markets and that our, our product really does work internationally. And then there's just so many hurdles to overcome, you know, like internet speed and delivery time and like payment methods. So we were just like slowly chipping away at it bit by bit. And so, and like now we've, we're, our sales are 40% overseas and 30% are from the US. So it's really exciting. Like we've you know, it's it's exciting when you go and when you're telling you're going back on the timeline for me because you know to to think about where we started. You're like, oh yeah, yeah. we did that. <laughs> started small. That's yeah. incredible. Thank you. So then, moving into so international expansion, then you guys developed an app or revamped your app that already existed. You were named online retailer of the year in 2018. Have moved offices, and that kind of wraps up 2018. So before we head into like any action tips that you want to provide, can you kind of give us like is there anything really cool, exciting coming business wise this year or in the next couple of years that you can see coming down the pipeline? I always forget to talk about the excite how important product is I think people like get we always end up talking about like I always talk about marketing and that kind of stuff like the product is the fundamental like everything of the that's what you're selling yeah and it's (laughs) funny because our product you know whenever there's like business awards it's on it's in it's web development and then it's social it's like marketing it's it's never product and then our product team always neglect gets neglected but they do everything so what's really exciting to grow, that's growing the business is when we first started, we were just a retailer and where I was just taking individual items by consignment to like maybe six years ago, we started making production. So taking like some of our best sellers and kind of mingling the best features together with no design experience. Like I can't design, but we were like, okay, that was a bestseller. Let's make it in the latest fabric because that fabric is trending. 
and then to actually getting designers in-house to now having a 10-person design and production team. And the first, our first foray into having our own range launch our, was doing workwear. So myself coming from a place where I was, you know, working corporate and having to spend my almost my entire paycheck on one suit I wanted to create a solution so you know the way I kind of approach all business problems is like you know what's the problem that we're trying to solve so let's not create a product to give to our customers unless we see a demand for it and a need for it so we started doing workwear and that took up really well and you know, our next, we started doing other things like festival wear, like formal wear, like really affordable formal wear for proms and weddings. And then something really exciting that we launched three years ago that we we extended our sizes from two to eight to zero to 16. And that's just really exciting. We've always wanted to do this from the start, but, you know, we didn't have the suppliers and we didn't have, we didn't make enough, in like it, we didn't sell enough quantity to make our own production and so it took years to find suppliers and to start making our own like doing our own sizing and it's really exciting because when we spoke to potential customers you know the the problem that they they said was you know you can't find the a lot of these like curve and plus size stores that the brands I mean I maybe it's different in America but like in Australia like everything is just like in curve size that just really like frumpy and they're very mumsy and there's only a sudden it is it is not it's the same here don't even worry it's the exact same here it's so frustrating I've been plus size most of my adult life and have found it incredibly frustrating and sorry and it's like why do retailers dictate to us what we can and can't wear like why do we not get to wear this latest print or shape and style yeah yeah well, I love that. <laughs> well, I appreciate that you went after that because as, yeah. as someone who's curvy. Yeah, so well, I'm going to send, I'll have to send you, I'll send you a gift voucher so you guys can do, you can both do some shopping on the website. But yeah, we, like everything we design ourselves, which is half of our styles we design ourselves comes in all the sizes. That's incredible. Every, It's not up to us. It's, you know, whatever the customers want. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I love how your business brain works. You're one of my favorite brains we've had on in a while because I think it's very similar to how we work here at TCC, like making decisions really quickly and just like listening to what people freaking want. And that's a lot of what it comes down to. So before we go, let's head into talk strategy to me. And if there's anything that you want to really give advice to people who are thinking about, even if it's not a product shop, but like, I okay, yes, I just want to get this damn thing off the ground. What would be like a couple of things, three or four things that you would kind of advise them to really pay attention to confidence-wise or strategic-wise? Look, I think you like... You know, it's funny. I always say like when people ask me like, what would you have done differently? I always say, you know, you need to back yourself. And like, yes, like, but now I've, I've kind of gone next level with that. I'm like, you do need to back yourself, but it's actually really good to be questioning yourself as well. So you almost want to just like, don't beat yourself up about not backing yourself and not question it. Like, don't even overthink it. Like, cause I'm like, yes, I was, I questioned so much, but maybe the fact that I was doubting myself to that certain degree made me not get into, make the wrong decisions and not throw my money away to, you know? So I think it's just about like not even overthinking it and just going out there and doing it and just like, and then just like being good at problem solving and not 
getting too excited about an idea that seems too good to be true, not rationalizing because there is probably a reason it's too good to be true, but also maybe not. So you just, I think the main thing is to never invest more more than what you're willing to lose so that when you, you can take those lessons, take those learnings, and then with money still left over, redo it. Because it's, like it's like that story. It's like if someone in your team makes a $10,000 mistake, do you fire them? Well, no, you've just invested $10,000 in them making the mistake, I mean, unless they were a complete idiot. But, like, you know, if people do make mistakes, so you <laughs> kind of want to, like, any mistakes yeah. you make, like, don't beat yourself up over it because you're, you're actually saving yourself from not making that later. I've just said about five things in, like, into yeah, one. Sorry, sorry. No, I love that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, why don't you remind everybody where they can go to explore all of your amazing products, follow you on social and, and anything cool that you guys have coming up. Yes. Awesome. So the website is showpo.com and we're on Insta as Showpo, S-H-O-W-P-O. And we we also have a lot of great content on YouTube, like styling tips, what to wear. And also I'm on YouTube and Instagram as well as the Lazy CEO if you want to add me. And also something really exciting is I've actually, I've got my own business. I've started a business group three years ago. It's called Like-Minded Bitches Drinking Wine. Yes, girl. And so we just, we just casually did it because we got a group of girls together who have their own businesses just to talk. So you can like bitch and moan about work and that kind of stuff. And we just had such a great time. We're like, let's make this, let's just create a Facebook group so then we can have regular regularly communicate meet up and then we're like let's make it public so we can invite other people and it just organically grew to a hundred thousand people because it's just again this is what people want and so the best thing about the group is like you know if you have if you want advice about anything within sec within minutes you have you have like 50 women who jump on and they will give they will speak from actual experience which i find just so much more useful than what you can google what you can read in a book just actually and that's why you have like you know you have you have this podcast you're speaking to people who are speaking from experience because i think that's you know the biggest like that's how i learned (laughs) yeah no 100 percent. yeah i want to hear you if you've done it not if you're just thinking about anything Yes, exactly. I love that. Well, Jane, thank you so much for coming on. This was incredible. I'm sure our listeners got a ton of value from this. So thank you. Thanks for having me. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor, to get podcast updates and all the the behind-the-scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you'd join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.